I'll scoot over. If we want to move back a little bit, we can. Just get a little more conversational. Yeah. <laughs> recording. We're recording. Welcome everybody, welcome to the party, welcome to Idea Lemons Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast, the conversation show where every episode we sit down with entrepreneurs, musicians, and just straight up interesting people to tackle life's important questions so that people like you and I can better understand just who we are and how the hell we present ourselves to the world around us. I'm your co-host Rajiv Nathan, as always alongside Martin McGovern, and in this episode, if you're wondering why this song you're hearing right now is different than our normal episodes, that's because we sat down with Don D, who is the MC of the Chicago-based Chicago Loud 9, or Cloud 9 for short. They're blowing up in the Midwest, they're a band that's a little bit hip-hop, a little bit jazz, a little bit funk, and a lot of bit fun. I've known Don since our days back in college. We both went to DePaul together, and we had to get him on this podcast because Cloud9 is just that cool. What we sat down and talked about was the question, how do you grow from your mistakes? And you'll hear right off the bat just why that's so pertinent to Don's story and and Cloud9 coming together. Before we get started, I want to remind you guys to subscribe to this show on iTunes if you're not already, and leave a rating and review if you're liking what you're hearing. With that, let's listen in on our conversation on how do you grow from your mistakes with Chicago Loud Nines, Don D. Yeah, so the initial, I, uh, you know, show with Cloud Nine, we weren't, well, we weren't even Cloud Nine, it was like Cloud Five at, at that time. And, uh, it was basically a mistake where my backing tracks weren't playing at a show. And so the promoter pitched the idea that I play with a, a local band who's on the bill that he knows is really good. And, and I would just go out there for about five, 10 minutes since I had a, a crowd there and um, just give them a little bit of a performance. And we ended up going up there for about 45 minutes in an hour and um, it was great everyone enjoyed themselves I enjoyed myself and in the band um, $11 life was the name of the band they, they enjoyed themselves too and um, the promoter ended up putting that performance on television too and it was funny because um, you know everybody was calling me pro at the time and you know my boys that hit me up was like man it's Bro, somebody on TV looked just like you, but I know it's not you because it's them and like a whole bunch of white dudes, you know. And, um, and I tell them like, no, yeah, no, that, no, that actually was me. But um, yeah, just, just uh, something that was a complete mistake, but it ended up being great. And then from there, uh, we we had a, a show where we invited horn section from Drop Steady and a djembe player, uh, Jason Brown, out, and uh, it was nine of us. And we tore that uh, venue down, House of Blues down, and then uh, people were just asking us when was the next show, and then we just kept the ball rolling, and here we are uh, three years later. Yeah. Well, so it's like what's crazy about that is I remember whenever you played House of Blues, like two years ago now probably, 
you played House of Blues. And I remember you saying something like you said like a year like a year earlier that you're like I'm gonna play House of Blues by the end of next year by the end of this year. Yeah. And you did that, and yeah. it kind of, I don't know if it would have come together had that you know mistake with your backing tracks. Yeah, it's funny <laughs> how how life works, you know, because you know you you set your goals and and you may not always know how you're gonna get there, mm-hmm. but um. You know, I I think just being prepared to to play House of Blues and just having that kind of ambition and drive, um, you know, it it definitely helped. Yeah, a lot of it too is like open mindedness, right? Like, you could have been like, dude, look at these guys. There's no way they're going to be a backing band for me. Exactly. But you're like, no, I can roll with that. And yeah. then and then you know, like you have your friends calling you like, it can't be you because it's five white dudes behind you. Yeah. But well, that's but that's like important because. And, you know, had you just been like, no, like this, this isn't going to work, I mean, you very easily could have been like, I'm just not going to play tonight, or yeah. no, like, we'll figure something else out. But because it's like, okay, let's just see what happens here. That mindset of like, maybe it could work out. And and that's the thing, like, you know, that could have easily let that, you know, hurdle just end the whole night and just be like, okay, that's that's that. But mm-hmm. um, ultimately, man, if you're not if you're not making mistakes, you're not trying, right? Yeah. So. Absolutely. Um, you know, and you know, I the the main thing was I wanted to put on a little bit of a show for the the people who came out and supported, and and then um, from there, like I like I love performing, so it's if you could bring a, a violinist or or someone with a a uh, cowbell, like I'm gonna try to make something happen too, so. Gotta have more cowbell places. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, um, I, you know that that was just part of the 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 reasoning behind it as well. So, I mean, it's it's pretty funny too because you were saying you just played elbow room, and I was reminiscing about I played elbow room back with Slam Daddy, is this ska band I was in from high school, and it was just like I one of the reasons that I left, and the joke I made was like, you know, maybe if they were more open to playing different types of music. Yeah. Instead of just the 90s ska that has been, like, out of date, like, even the guys that do ska well <laughs> aren't very famous off it. Um, and I'm like, you know, maybe if we were open to, like, trying different things, it, I would have stayed around a little longer or tried some, tried to make it work. But yeah. I, I think that's an interesting uh, difference between rolling with mistakes or, like, you know, choosing something and sticking with it maybe a little too long yeah. based out of, I'm not even sure what it's based out of, based off pride or based out of like this is what I love some of it so. is stubbornness and and then some of it is just your outlook you know you like I said sometimes you make your goals and 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 you like I want to do it this way because I could have been stubborn and just been like I don't want to play house of blues with them I said I want to do it myself and I want to do it you know and make it um that way so um you know and that's just I guess I guess it's a personal preference and then looking at not so much the the mistake aspect of it but looking at it as here's a chance for opportunity mm-hmm. as well because yeah. you know with every you know with every stumble or every fall you know you get back up you have opportunity to get back up or you stay down so it's, it's really uh, up to you which which path you want to take yeah i think the whole the mindset about the making mistakes that it is a learning opportunity is like is crucial when I was when I first started a sales gig a couple of years ago, it was like I had to get over this initial fear of cold calling people, because that is like I mean for the average person having to pick up a phone 
and call someone you don't know and try to sell them something is pretty fucking like it's crazy. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's terrifying for someone who you know who isn't built like that. Right. right? So I, I had to, like, I did that for free movie tickets for a couple of years, and that was even terrifying. Like, <laughs> giving away free movie tickets to early releases of movies, and like I'm like. Oh, <laughs> And and I remember like at first I was really hesitant about it, but then what was crazy what happened is someone who I called, it was like what you pictured me the absolute like worst scenario in your head like, happened. Yeah. Like she said something. I think I had first sent an email or something to her, and she was like, um, "I'm very busy. Like can't talk about this right now." Was her response? But she left her phone number like in this email signature. Mm-hmm. So I'm like opportunity to call <laughs> so a little bit later I called her and I was like hey this is Raj I emailed you earlier and she was like what did I tell you I told you not to call me I'm really busy I have hundreds of people like you and try and call me every day if I ever need your services I will call you and I was like very taken aback and I was like okay you have my number if you need me and I hung up the phone and I was like okay but I'm still breathing <laughs> and <laughs> Like, that was the worst thing that I could have ever thought could have happened in that situation. Yeah. And it happened. I'm like, all right, well. But that's not even that bad. Yeah. Like, that's, that's not even that <laughs> bad. Like, they, they get to calling you bitches and all call it kind of MFers, you know what I mean? Right, like, yeah, they, yeah, You yeah. didn't hear this woman's inflection. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, she was angry. She didn't swear, but she was angry. But, but. She went, uh, she went PG-13 over If anything, I feel like if she would have sworn, I would have thought it was, like, comical. This, like, made it, like, more real. She was still, like, proper about it. But. But I they saw yell that with a British accent. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'm happy or something. But when that happened, I was like, it was like it was like this momentary shock. But then I'm like, I don't know. But like, I, I that happened, and I'm still going. Like, yeah. and then I'm like, okay, well now I know like what to do differently the next time around. And that's kind of the whole like idea is that every like, there's really no such thing as failure. It's just that every failure, adverse situation is like, a learning opportunity. So like going back to music, I make excuses like, oh, my songs aren't ready yet, or they're not perfect, that kind of stuff. And and, we, and, that, and who is that too, right? Like, right. That's the thing about art. Art is never finished. Yeah. It's never finished. It's never, like, it's always something you can do different, say differently, uh, you know, have a little bit more time or preparation to it, but sometimes you just got to release mm-hmm. it and just let it be. Mm-hmm. You know, because we're not finished products as as people, you know, like the 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 Raj, you know, I knew when when I met you, you know, five years ago, you're not the same person. Right. You were not in in, in today, five years from now, you're not going to be where you were today. So you're like, you're never as a person, you're never a finished product. So don't ever like think that art's going to be a a finished product. And I'm just saying that because I've I've definitely had the same thoughts and, and mind you know mindset as well and then you know I guess just through um mistakes and, and just growth you know you just kind of 
you kind of learn that. Yeah, it's all, yeah, it's all so, learning process. Well, I'm sorry, I mean, go back to you. Yeah. <laughs> well, with that, I was telling him, I was like, yeah, you know, I feel like things aren't like ready yet. I'm just like waiting for the right time. And he was like, well, I host this open mic uh, this coming Monday or every other, or second Monday of every month. It's called the Gala. Uh, you should come to the next one. And like Martin overhears me having this conversation with Rico. And then like afterwards, I come back to him and I'm like, I come back to Martin. I'm like, man, I really gotta find a way to get up on a stage like this. And he's like, all right, I'm just, I'm, I'm throwing out the challenge. You, you are going to the gala open mic night the next time it's up. And like three weeks later, it rolled around. Yeah. And I went, and like, I, I got. You had your stage. iPod ready? That was a mistake. Yeah. Oh yeah. Was, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big okay, mistake. Okay. So yeah. So that happened. I was like, the whole day, I'm like, all right, what song of mine am I gonna play? And I'm like, going through my, going through my, my iPhone and being like, okay. This song would be good, and I'm okay. I get there, and they're like, "Actually, you don't get to use any of your own music. Like, we have a live band, and they'll just start playing with you, like whatever like riff they feel like playing." So, like, <laughs> I get there, and I'm like, "Oh shit! I gotta like, everything I've been like thinking about today. I have to just throw out the window, and I can still like do my own lyrics, but I gotta do it to like a you know whatever beat or do it a cappella or whatever." And so I ended up end up doing it a cappella, and. It was like it was really cool, and the second I was I was so nervous before I went up there, but then when the second like I got into it, it was like this totally empowering feeling, and then the second it was over, it was like man, when when can I do this again? Exactly. <laughs> and then I think I went the next like three four months in a row and, and performed, and then like winter hit and I didn't feel like you know going out, and it was negative five degrees. But but the point is, were it not for I think just like the random occurrence of us being like, hey, this event looks cool, let's go to it. And then me running, me seeing Sidewalk Shop perform and yeah. then talking to, to Rico and then him being like, I'm going to challenge you to do that. I don't know if still now if I ever would have actually started performing. It's yeah. funny because like all the things that happened in that story, like mistake is a, is a strange word, right? Like mistake is, it, what it really means is just something you didn't expect, right? Right. And... We have these plans, we have these goals, we have these systems. Like you spent the whole day thinking about what song you were going to play. Mm -hmm. Then you get there and you can't use any of it. So like, you can call that a mistake, you can call that a surprise, you can call it whatever you want, but you just had to adapt and you had to adapt quickly. And going back to art never being finished, well, if art's never really finished, there can't really be a mistake. You can only just get surprises that happen because of the art. Yeah. And Louis C.K. is like a prime example of that, where like five minutes before the show, he's still trying to decide like, wait, am I cutting that bit? I haven't written anything down. I don't know. Like, he'll, like, lose his train of thought halfway through a show and just have to be, like, adapt. Like, it's, it's crazy. Um, but he puts himself in that situation in order for um, this sort of serendipity or these, you know, growths to come from the mistakes. Like, if he screws up on stage, he could either, one, clam up and leave stage and everyone boos him, or he can learn how to make something up on the fly. And he has spent past, you know, his whole lifetime making stuff up on the fly, whereas an unseasoned comic would get shut down. He's just able to, you know, make another fart joke and roll yeah. on. Just roll with the punches, yeah. <laughs> well, and, like, specifically with performing, too, what I've realized or noticed over now a couple of years of doing open mics and seeing people do open mics is that if you screw up, no one really knows that you've screwed up. Right. Like no, because no one knows your your songs, yeah, right? Yeah, you know, that's, exactly. That's yeah. the one thing you kind of being like unknown or just kind of under the radar. Yeah. 
Um, and even if they, even, even if it's like to the point where like you know, Cloud Nine's getting to the point where people know your song. Like, yeah, you know, I, yeah. I, I know a lot of your guys' lyrics in your song, or a lot of your lyrics in your guys' songs. Dope. But even if you were to like slip up a line, I'd be like, oh, he's just like doing something for like to like crowd hype. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's yeah. improvising. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but that's the yes and it's like, and, and you gotta expect like, whenever we go into a performance, you know, you chart it out and you say, okay, this and. This and this and this, but you you never know what's gonna happen. Like if an amp's gonna blow, you know what I'm saying, or if you know the horn player loses his horn the day of the show, which we actually had happen. <laughs> really? No way. Yeah, you couldn't couldn't find it. Like like that kind of stuff. Like you wait, you know you still have to be prepared to go on to put on the best show you can at that time. And, and at that moment, because people came out to to escape, you know, kind of the the dregs of everyday monotony, and like they, they came to see a performance and, and a little bit, uh, you know, escape reality a little bit. So um, that's just kind of like one of the things that makes me like always be on point when I'm on stage because it's it's someone in that crowd who's there. That's, that hasn't a hasn't seen me before, and, and and b has had a shitty week, and our set hopefully can change that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Martin, let's say for things that are not so much in the spotlight, like things that you do that you might you might make a mistake, but maybe it's not in the context of like performing. Maybe it's in the context of like. Are you talking about the whiteout on my computer screen? What? <laughs> <laughs> that old joke, you know, whiting out the computer screen. Oh. <laughs> I think it's a blonde joke, but let's not go down that road. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. very murky road. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you guys want to do that. <laughs> no, we'll cut that. Uh, <laughs> um, so, what's the question? Well, for, for some of the everyday things, what I think, a lot of times I think, when you have to be performing for anyone, whether it is working out, whether it is making dinner or something, but like there's, even though there's literally no audience for it, we still a lot of times like fear making a mistake. Oh yeah, yeah. But I mean, why do you think that is? I don't. Know. I had this totally irrational fear as a kid after I watched the Truman Show that I was on film twenty four seven. Like I legit, like on one hand it was just you know, like, me being full of myself. And on the other hand, it was, like, massive paranoia where I just thought I was being watched all the time, which is kind of true now because cameras are everywhere. But <laughs> point being, like, I'd be in the bathroom or something and, like, brushing my teeth. And, like, you know that scene where he, you know, draws, like, the space cadet thing? Right. And they're like, wait, does he see us? Does he see us? Like, does he know we're watching him? Yeah. Like, I'd be, like, brushing my teeth and be like, is there <laughs> someone behind this thing? <laughs> and, like, it's, it, I don't know if, like, I mean, that doesn't, I don't think that all the time. I'm not totally paranoid, but what's a quote? Uh, just because you're not paranoid doesn't mean they're not watching. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I just, I always thought that was really funny looking back at it as a kid because um, I was really into the, like you know doing musicals and being in the play and doing improv in high school and stuff like that. And one of the things that maybe it's just weird in my head. Maybe you guys can relate, but I almost like I'll, I'll catch myself in scenarios where I'm alone or I'm in a group where I'm totally anonymous. And I'll be like acting something out that's in my head. Like, 
I'll be like, this situation is actually this kind of thing. It's like I'm at a networking event, but it, I'll turn it into a bit of a game. Like, oh, I'm, you know, at a party or something. I don't, I don't really have a great example off the top <laughs> of my head. But the point being is, like, sometimes I'll just be, like, performing to myself is the point. And so in that situation, there are no mistakes, but it is a bit of a performance. And yeah, life is a performance, right? Like you don't have to be on stage to perform. Uh, you know, like you go you get up, you go to work, and you know you have to perform for that nine to five or whatever. Um, for everyone who does that, I don't, I don't do that. But, uh, <laughs> but um, but like yeah, like it's like you have to be on from that time to to when you clock out and um. But that, so, but that idea of being on, I think, is what for a lot of people, like scares become, you. Yeah. yeah, it becomes a problem, or it becomes something that makes it a little bit more scary because mm. if you have to be on at all times, like, then it's like there's this mindset of embrace perfectionism. it, or, embrace it or quit your job, right? Like it's <laughs> like you know, like in, embrace the challenge and like know that you will have a mistake here here or there or you you may send an email that that you probably shouldn't have reply sent all. you know reply <laughs> all kind of thing like that stuff's gonna happen but um you know just try to have a sense of humor about it and, and obviously learn from from it you know make sure that you're replying to one person uh moving forward that kind of stuff but yeah. um yeah like it, it's always going to be something <clears throat> in your life that it's going to be unexpected or um, that this is going to just kind of drop in your lap and it's from there it's like what you do with it. Yeah and, and on a grander scale like I mean aside from just like like you're walking on the street right a song comes on that you just love and you're going to start like you know walking in tempo or dancing so you might catch you you're like oh shit I made a mistake people saw me dancing uh, on the L. Um, but like you uh, everyone has like on a grander scale everyone has an idea of either who they are or who they want to be or where they're going. And so on a day-to-day -day basis, going back to your question, what are the mistakes that we might come across day-to-day? -day? It's any time that you have this maybe ideal self or something you're working toward or working on. So let's say you know, you're trying to work on your fitness. Any day you don't work out, that's a mistake because you're trying to work on your fitness. But because in this grand scheme of thing, you believe that you truly are someone who believes in health and believes in, you know, being physically able and, and doing those things. And so um, I think that can be, you know, huge in, oh, I chose the wrong job because I thought this was who I was, or this is what I'm trying to go after, this, whatever it is. Or it could be as something as small as, oh, I slept in again. And I, I said I was going to wake up at 6.30, I slept in, now I'm beating myself up over it. How do I learn from that? I mean, that's something that it depends on the situation, depends on the person, depends on your mindset, but I'm kind of curious if there are little things in your guys' lives that on a daily basis bug you that you're trying to fix. Is it something that you're striving toward an ideal that's not quite you, or is it something that is you, but there's something getting in the way? I feel like for me, I often feel like I'm never doing enough, or like I'm doing a lot of things, but I feel like they're not, I don't know, productive is the right word, but like I feel like I'm doing, I have my hands on a lot of things, but it's not, it's like nothing's happening at the same time. Yeah, like being an ambitious person is, it's, you're never comfortable where you're at. And I think that's like 
not necessarily a bad thing, but you like you're never stopping and smelling the roses, right? Like you know, um, even when we're talking about the the House of Blues show that that started Cloud Nine, it was like that night we enjoyed it, and then the next night we was like, what's the next show? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's you just kind of keep the ball yeah. ball rolling. You got to keep it moving. Um, I think that was. I think that's one thing that I think being an ambitious person, you could kind of get caught up in and not really just savor the moment because you're always chasing that next moment mm-hmm. kind of thing. That, that for me, that's a huge problem. Like I never, I, I very rarely am able to like really enjoy something while like it's happening. Like every now and then it happens, but a lot of times. Usually when you're eating something. Yeah, well, I do love food. <laughs> you and that goat chocolate goat cheese. You, I think you is, might have been that the most for that. Well, no, we were just <laughs> out to dinner with some friends last night, and that was like at a purple pig, and that was one of the desserts. And it was go. so good. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Go ahead. But no, yeah, that's one of the things that I know I struggle with a lot is is um, not stopping to smell the roses because yeah. I'm constantly thinking like, okay, well, so what comes next? after this or um, you know even like like that first open mic that I did it was awesome but the second second was over it was all right when can I do this again yeah which makes it and and it's not like I don't enjoy anything because clearly I do but I think I could be enjoying things more in the moment yeah but I, I you know it's just like what everyone has their their uh you know addictions right you know they they have their they're things that that that's in their life that no matter what they're gonna chase it right. So for some people it's alcohol, for some people it's drugs, for some people it's women. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure I went through that phase back in college with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like some people with success, you know, like and you know it's and one of the one of those, our, our newest songs in Cloud Nine is just like I start the song about like success. What the fuck is that shit? <laughs> you know, like and it's it's real. Like it's you set your own standard for success, um, because it's it's you who have to live with yourself, and it is you. You know, you came you came in by yourself. You gonna leave by yourself. You know what I'm saying? It's no bunk beds and caskets, you know? They haven't made those. So I've never heard that before. That's really that's good. That's, <laughs> good. that's a way better title than our success episode. <laughs> what is that shit? <laughs> but, no bunk beds and Welcome to the party, we bout to get it on. Leave your worries at the door, we bout to get gone. Bacardi the moan and the bone, give me some dome. Carry on, smoking the strong, give me Patron in the zone. Shorty that I'm dissing up on, the snake charmer. She made my black snake moan, I gotta have her. See her, then I grab her. She turned me to a body snatcher. Dude thought he had her. At the party, but she left with the dime at the party after. The party don't start to the after party. When your life is a party, you don't have to party. So knowing when I'm waking, I'm taking a couple shots. My life for celebration. Here's the toast to party people in the nation. <laughs> but yeah, it's but serious, but that like that's a real, real, real talk right there. Like if if people and this is where I think a lot of times where our generation kinda 
Um, we try to make other people happy um, or always do what our parents say. And not to say you shouldn't listen to your parents and nothing like that, kids who are listening to the podcast. <laughs> um, How'd you find out about this? <laughs> you know, go, go outside, go play. Yeah. <laughs> um, but say, ultimately, it's about it's about your your personal happiness. And I think once people understand that and they, they find that, that um, it's it kind of lights a fire. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to live my life for other people. Right. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm going to live my life for me. And some people could take that as being selfish. But in, in doing that and in finding yourself, you can help other people find themselves, oh, too. Absolutely. And, and, and make it a, a group thing. Yeah. We t- so um, on an earlier episode of the show, we talked about very briefly the idea of being selfish in order to be selfless. I'm curious if you can take on that. No, that was basically what I just said. And, and, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and in, a, in one sentence, so... So my question is, like, you were talking about how you have a hard time appreciating the moment, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, when you're in the moment, being in the moment is appreciating it, right? Like, when you're on stage and you're doing your thing, like, you're not missing that. You are fully there doing Unless, it, like, some, it's so weird. And because it's like, it'll be certain moments in the show where something will just, like, stand out and you'll be like, this is this is fucking cool. You know what I'm saying? Like this is the best job in the world. And then right after that, you're like, okay, we're transitioning to the next song. So how do we get into this song? How do we get out of that song? Do I need to say something? Mm-hmm. Is the saxophonist, you know, does he have his uh, other uh, saxophone? Has he switched saxophones? You know that kind of stuff. Um, so you kind of just you snap back into it, but yeah, Martin, you're you're right. Like it, it is moments when you're on stage where you do realize what what you're doing is is really dope. But at the same time, you snap right back out of it, and then you know you you get back to the the task at hand. Yeah, that, and I think that's that huge balance between like work and flow that so many people write about, right? Mm-hmm. Where you know, you, it's like, I, I, we might have said this on a different one, but I uh, listened to a podcast and the guy was saying, it was one guy quoting another guy, so I'm like, triple quote away now, it's going to be a bad paraphrase. But the point being is, he said, uh, someone asked him if he waits for inspiration to hit before he writes. And he goes, yes, I always wait for inspiration. Thankfully, it always hits me at 9 a.m. every single morning <laughs> yeah, when I sit down and do the work. And, um, but that's that battle between uh, the two sides that everyone seems to go through. And my question to you guys is, when do you, like, so in the moment, it's hard to control it, right? You'll hit, a, you'll hit a point in the show where it's like, oh, yeah, this is exactly why I'm here. And then you've got to get to the next part of the show so that you can experience that again. So there's going to be those ebbs and flows. But let's say after the fact, um, one of the things I think a lot of people forget to do is to pause and just relax and be with yourself for a moment. Because what, what you were saying about kind of our generation, we spend so much time distracted with things that even if we make a mistake, even if we do something good, on both ends of that scale, it doesn't matter what happens, we go straight to, 
I'm going to put it on Facebook and someone will make me feel good about it. Or I'm going to distract myself from this situation, be it good or bad. Um, so like, let's say you screw something up at your job, you'll post that on Facebook and 10 people will be like, no, that person was in the wrong. Right. Not you. You're totally cool and fine. Right. Instead of actually sitting down reflecting on it and thinking through, well, what can I learn from maybe this mistake? I, maybe I did screw up. Yeah. Or what got me to that state of flow? Like, what were the things that led to that that I can maybe try and, you know, make more of in my life? Well, to the distractions point, like, one of the things I've picked up this year is the first basically half hour to hour of my day now. Uh, you know, I used to, like, roll out of bed and, like, check my phone right away or check emails, see text messages. And then I kind of realized, I was like, man, like, in every waking moment, I'm, like, giving myself up to, like, other people. I'm never actually just giving time to just me. And, like, I should probably start the day by just doing, by just doing me to start the day. So now, like, I meditate for 10 minutes when I wake up, and then the next 30 minutes to an hour is whatever I feel like doing without any, like, any outside influence, basically. So, like, I'll, either, like, I'll read... Or I'll write usually, or I'll exercise. Yeah, and that for me is like getting rid of the distractions. So it's like there's only so many hours I'm awake. I'm at least going to give myself thirty minutes to an hour of just of just myself before I let anyone else's thoughts or whatever like permeate my own. Cool. Yeah, I mean that. It's really interesting too, because like. That kind of brings up the point with so many other voices and so many other opinions and all these different things out there. At what point do you even know that the mistakes are things that you feel are mistakes or that other people tell you are mistakes? I think everyone knows when they make a mistake, but not everyone can man up or woman up to their mistakes. And they try to take the easy way out or... yeah. Look for excuses for why they made the mistake, or pass blame on someone. Pass blame, yeah, and, and, and not really take, um, you know, not not really. They really take for granted, like the opportunity in mistakes, like we were talking about earlier, because we've been we've been taught, like in in our culture, that like mistakes are a bad thing like all the time right and and they are bad if they go unchecked but like i said before mistakes you you got an opportunity um for growth when you do make mistakes and listen anyone who is the best at something they've made the most mistakes mm -hmm. than anyone else who's tried to do that right the best basketball player in the world has missed the most shots. Right. You know, the... That Jordan quote? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Even like like baseball. If you're a good hitter in baseball, you get on base 30%, or you, you hit the ball 30% of the time, which right. is an F. Right. <laughs> the best player is getting an F in all other contexts. Exactly. <laughs> but the thing is, they just keep at it, and they don't let those, um, those outs and those strikeouts... Um, cloud their vision when they up to bat the next time. And I think that's really the key. Like, and, and it, you know, that's a, the cool thing about sports though. Like being a, a former athlete um, and, and 
Raj can, I don't know about, about you, Martin, but um, Raj can attest to this. Like, you're, you have a mindset where you know what you need to do. Um, we did, we did track and field. So it's like, you know, you're running for him. You know how you're supposed to start. And if the race doesn't go the way that you plan, you got to figure out yeah. what, what didn't go according to plan, right? Um, and so, but ultimately you are, you're correcting your mistakes and then you're racing against yourself. You know, like, although you're racing against the people who are next to you, like, you're, you're trying to beat yourself every time. And that's, I think that was the, the, the coolest thing about doing something like track and field because it, it always kept you uh, motivated and always kept you like critical of what what your race was and and kind of how you could in, in, improve and and things of that nature. Yeah, I, I think that was I agree. That's one of the coolest things about it is that you yeah no matter how you could be racing against one other person or five other people, but you're still going against the time you ran in the previous mm -hmm. race, and it's like. You could even win that race, but yeah. if you ran a slower time than you did the last week, you're gonna you, feel shit. Yeah, exactly. you're, you're gonna feel like you didn't exactly. do anything. Exactly. You know? So, and one of the things I love about that sport in particular is it's not. It's, I think every other sport is dependent on other people, and like a lot of times the judgment and calls of officials and referees. Yeah. Well, the only thing that can happen in a track race is like, you do it or you don't. Yeah, or it's like the guy like shoots the gun and like for some reason somehow like four of you hear the gun and one of you doesn't. Right. <laughs> which so, never happens. It always like, comes back to that, Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Elaine, only one other person in the world knows what I'm about to tell you and that's George. When we were in the ninth grade, they had us all line up at one end of the schoolyard for this big race to see who was going to represent the school in this track meet. Mm -hmm. I was the last one on the end. George was next to me and Mr. Bevelock with a... What's that? Mr. Bavalacqua, the gym teacher. Oh, of course. He was down at the other end. So he yells out, ready, on your mark, get set. And I was so keyed up, I just took off. <laughs> By the time he said go, I was 10 yards ahead of everybody. No. Yeah. I looked up, I couldn't believe it. By the time the race was over and I had won, I was shocked. Nobody had noticed the head start. Really? Yes, and I had won by so much, a myth began to grow about my speed. <laughs> Only Duncan suspected something was amiss. He's hated me ever since. And now he's back. But, but that, you know, you're never, you can never say, oh, it was like the ref's fault, or like, oh, if they would have made that call. Like, right. And maybe that's a big reason why, and now, now I'm thinking about this, maybe that's a, a big reason why I don't pass blame is having that background on track, because you can't, if you don't run well, I mean, every now and then you could like blame the wind if it was windy, but everyone else ran in the wind too. Right. Yeah, you weren't the only one. <laughs> right. it, 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 the wind wasn't just directly in your lane. Yeah. So. But yeah, now I'm thinking about it. Maybe that's why I'm, I haven't been one to like traditionally pass blame onto other people mm -hmm. or not take accountability for mistakes. Is because from that, from doing track, it's like you know, like you you put in work. It, it's very it's a very like linear, or very direct result thing, yeah. right? If you do these workouts over and over again, you will build this muscle and you will get this speed or you'll get this stamina and you will improve. It's very... And it's the same thing, I think the same correlation with business people, you know, and, and you know, musicians and, you know, you play the piano for so long and, and 
yeah, you're going to hit some wrong notes. Yeah. But after a while, you're going to be sitting there, you're going to be like a young Beethoven. You know what I mean? That's that's why they look at kids like, oh, that kid's a prodigy. He's so They're so gifted. No, that kid is, you know, practiced mm -hmm. a ton and, and made a ton of mistakes, but they didn't let the mistakes make them quit like a yeah. lot of other kids did. I think, and that's a huge difference between starting in a team or doing it by yourself and then joining a team. So, I mean, this kind of brings in what the original question was about, you know, collaboration and things like that, where um, I only did football in high school, and I'm obviously not a lineman, so that it was a very bad position for me to be in. <laughs> um, and I was forced into it because, you know, I had to do, my parents were like, you have to do something physical, and wasn't fast enough for cross country. I was 5'2", 180 starting freshman year. Oh, yeah. And I was 6'1", 160 when I graduated. Yeah. So, like, definitely being stocked out. Um, but I thought what was really interesting was, like, my main goal when I joined football was to lose weight. Like, I just, sports, physical, whatever, fine. My only reason for being there was to lose weight. And what I thought was really crazy was this whole kind of passing the blame thing. Where I was pretty crappy. I was I was pretty bad at football, and uh, I would just keep getting knocked down all the time. Um, and you kind of, uh, and any time a play goes wrong, like I really didn't have that much to do with it. It's first of all, it's practice. Second of all, like you fumbled. Like that's not my fault. But the blame <laughs> would get passed over to the weakest person on the team. And I think that like that you didn't happens. block for me. Or, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. And and you see that happen in all sorts of things. Like you're in a band, right? And you have one person that isn't carrying their weight because they didn't spend the time to figure out how they're good by themselves. Yeah. So of course they're not going to figure that out while they're just you know like fumbling through with an already good band, right? right? And so um, I, I think there's definitely an interesting piece of figuring out your skills and then joining a team or putting together like you know they have those like super bands where they bring like the best person from like five different right. bands right, 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 or something right. like that, but like. You see that in offices, you see that everywhere where, you know, you get thrown into this team, you don't really know the people, one person is, you know, fully, uh, un like, not matured at all, and they're going <laughs> to weigh down the rest of the team, like, you're only as good as your weakest link, and you'll see other people just turn on them and pass all the blame, even if they They were... came up short. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's an interesting piece because um, something that I learned once I got injured playing football and I got to spend the last year and a half filming the games was, <laughs> it was a wonderful moment. I ended up making a ton of money. Um, really? It wasn't like like the well, manager's so the, job. Like the first year, the first year I didn't get paid okay. um, because I was part of the team, quote unquote. And then the second year they were like, we need someone to film the games, and I was like, all right, seven fifty an hour. I charge from the moment school ends to the moment I'm home. Seven hundred fifty or seven dollars. Seven dollars. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but I did get paid. Like I, I want, I want whoever. Yeah, exactly. Can I, can I go be a high school? <laughs> the, the negotiate cloud nine bills from now on. It was pretty Kidding sweet me? though. Like I got paid all in one lump sum at the end of the year in cash it, during school, so I had to like run away from my friends to like not get robbed. Yeah. Um, of course. Yeah, <laughs> in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah, but it was one of those things where I learned like because after I was you know not able to play on the team, my only goal was to videotape the games by myself, and I'd be up in the cherry picker in the storm, you know, with the camera and the headphones, and it was just me and the camera, and all I had to do was get better at the camera, better at the camera, better at the camera, yeah. and that led into me going into you know visual artistic stuff in college and 
you know, purchasing a camera and I've done video and not you did not the photo shoot for my new mixtape. Exactly, man. photo shoot for your mixtape back in college right. and things like that. Like now, even the new one coming out, you did the photo shoot. Oh for yeah, you, yeah. And you, and you photoshopped. I start charging people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but the point being is like, yeah, it's like once I was then by myself working on one thing, one craft, without other people saying like you're doing this wrong or yeah. you should be better or you're failing. Um, I was able to actually learn from it and grow with it, and I wasn't gonna and like. I would have quit football if I was allowed to by my family, but I ended up just getting injured, which worked out just as well. Right. And <laughs> ended up being a blessing to the sky. Yeah, yeah, but like I would have quit. That's the point. And it's because of the mistakes and the blame and everything wrapped into it. Yeah. Um, and so it's not even always us beating ourselves up. It's other people, and then that gets internalized. Yeah. And then how many years are you going to live with that? That's funny that you mentioned that because I... I probably still would have ended up doing track, but I ended up doing track like in high school freshman year because I didn't make the basketball team. And it was like, okay, well, it's you know, it's now February, and I need a like I want to play a sport, and I like you know, my brother was doing track, so I knew I was going to do it. But had I been in basketball, I would have been in that till like March or April, yeah. And then I probably would have I would I mean if I did join track, it would have been later in the year, and I would have had like three months less. Uh, practice at it, which right. you know, over the course of you know, your track career, I I think just from like a maybe not physically, but like from a mental like just toughness standpoint, those three months definitely matter. Definitely, definitely means something. That's it's it's a gru- it's grueling. Like it's, I tell people all the time, like I'm I'm pretty sure I took like. 10 years off my knees, you know what I mean? Just running track. My back is just forever ruined. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? That kind of stuff. But um, if I had to do it all over, you know, I I would definitely do it again. But, like, being able to be by yourself and and make some mistakes and and not just make mistakes, correct your mistakes. You don't have someone over your shoulder all the time telling you what to do, what not to do. Like, I think people are smarter than they give themselves credit for. Yeah. Um, you're going to figure it out eventually. Sometimes it takes some people longer than others, right. you know. <laughs> but, um, you know, you, you bump your head against the wall. After a while, you're going to put a helmet on. And part of that, too, and this, this goes, Martin, to your point about the, like the, the environment or the, or the blame game that gets played is – what helps is when you have that like good supporting cast around you. I don't mean yeah. like directly, but like so when I first decided to do track in high school, I had some friends be like, "Dude, you're not fast. Why would you do track?" And it was like so. Like at first, it was like, "Okay, well, you know, should I be doing this or not?" And I still did it anyways. But then once you get into it, first off, what I'll say for track or anything, it's like you don't start it to be a master at it. Like you start it as a rookie or as a novice, and then over time you build up and become you know an expert or whatever at that thing but then you know going from that to then spending every day with teammates who like you know I I didn't start off I started off as one of the slowest people on the team but I had people who were supportive around me within the team who it's like they'd push me in the workouts or they would you know we'd have conversations before or after practice those are the things that help you embrace the the mistakes more because you know that there's not so much weight over each, you know, each like mess up or each mini failure, it's like, it's okay to screw up, but you use it as a growth opportunity. 
I just wanna chill, kick back, relax, do things on my own time, chillax, spit raps. Yes, I quit smoking, but I've been hoping that I can't catch a contact or relapse. And just chill, 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 chill. I rep the shot, 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 shot. I just wanna chill, relax my mind. Cause of my state of mind, keep me on the grind. Sharpen my skills to reduce mental lapses. To be on point when your regime collapses. Absence of mind, body, and spirit can't happen. Meditate for peace, so at least I get a nap in. Not sleeping too long, sleep is the cousin of death. After a nap, I'm feeling refreshed. What made me think to myself, it probably won't be till after death when I'm feeling my best. Till death do us part, I'm living life I wanna live a life where I won't have to dream at night Deep ain't they related, how we stated Shepherds gossip in the blue pit, not a sheep tainted Make it hard to kick it, kinda like my knees brainin' But I'ma chill, kinda like I'm refrigerated Homie, chill, keep back, relax That is huge too, because like the way, like you'll see one of the thing, things that I think is so fascinating with like really little kids, right? They don't know what's right or wrong or how they should react in most situations. So like they'll fall and they'll like smack their face on the ground, right? right. And they'll stand up and they'll look yeah. around <laughs> and they'll be like, how am I supposed to like am I supposed react? To cry? Right. Like, and if the parents are like, oh my God. the parents go, oh my God, they're going to go, oh fuck. Right. Yeah, um, they're gonna, yeah, they're yeah, going to swear. Hearts, <laughs> gonna just drop that box. But, um, but if you start laughing, they're going to start laughing. And I think that that's so crazy because if one of my favorite things in the world now is for people to tell me what I do wrong. Like, it is, I crave it. Like, when my six-month review came up, I was like, like all right, we're going to, like, you know, you just started in advertising, so we're going to, like, go through this and talk about it. I'm like, no, just, like, straight up, even if it's someone just blasting out hate at me, I want to know because there's something in there I can learn from. Right. Um, even if it's just I now know that someone hates me this much. <laughs> right. It's, it's some it's some valuable information in in someone critiquing you. You know, sometimes some people are just going to critique you because they just like to hear their own selves talk, right? But other times, like you know, not not everything you do is gold. Right. So you know. It's, it's good to listen and, and take feedback, and take the the stuff that you can, you know, use to build yourself up, build your brand up, and the rest of it, you just throw it out. Yeah. And, and a lot of it, too, is being able to to filter between what's the good feedback versus what's just what's just someone being a hater. Yeah. Um, in one of my upcoming songs, I have a line about you know, people along the way who have not necessarily encouraged me in music. And I say there's a difference between critique and criticism. Critiquing has, critiquing has a reason. The other means that you never listen. Mm -hmm. And I think that's huge, not just, you know, in the music context, yeah. but in other things, it's like there's always going to be haters. And those are the people who never probably cared in the first place. People who cared, the ones who can help you learn from your, your setbacks or your mistakes, are the ones who are 
it's like cliche to say constructive criticism, but it is a thing, right? Like that, that's what critiquing is. It's like, I want to see you get better at this. So instead of just saying, Hey, you suck. It's here's where you can improve. Right. Right. And it's, it is good to know. And, and, it, I, and that just comes with experience knowing, you know, who, who is critiquing, um, you for the betterment of, of yourself or doing it to tear you down because it's it's either people are either going to tear you down or build you up um and you just got to know which which way to go but um it does go back to having keeping good people around you too and and that's i think that's very important and in being able to make mistakes um with cloud nine for example like we don't have a genre you know, like, so I do my thing. I do hip hop and that kind of thing and, and MC. But at the same time, I wouldn't categorize it as a straight hip hop band. You know, we, we have jazz elements, reggae elements, um, rock, you know, heavy rock elements in it as well. So we don't really go into it as a in, in a confined space. We try to be as open-minded as general and as we can be. Um, and, and it's great because it's allowed me to do just being around those guys that have that, that, that's, that kind of mentality has allowed me to do some things as an MC that I wouldn't have ever tried yeah. solo, you know, not in, and not that I didn't have the, you know, the talent to do it is just that it would have never cross my mind. Yeah, no, yeah. That's huge because it, it, it taps into that creativity you didn't know you had, um, yeah, and like I, I tell people whenever I talk about Cloud9, I'm like, yeah, they're like this hip hop, jazz, reggae kind of band. And, and I was like, it's going to be a fun time, guaranteed. <laughs> it's like, no matter what type of music you like, it's going to be a fun time. <laughs> it's a Girl Talk concert. Awesome. Everyone has fun. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> no, but I, I, that's really cool, too, because you're also setting yourself up for future, you know, surprises or mistakes, whatever you want to call them. Because... Yeah. Like the whole Louis C.K. thing where he says, like, you know, I might forget my joke, but I know that I have the ability to adapt in that case. Yeah. You know, you might walk into a place that has a completely, you know, new music style, but you're used to jumping into new music styles. Yeah. And so now you've got that skill. Now you can do that. You can adapt to that no matter where you go. You go, I don't know, maybe travel the world and you go into a random club somewhere, you can still yeah. jump in and, and do your thing. Like, yeah, I I, I, would, I think that probably, some of the guys are hear this and probably um, get upset for me saying this in public, but uh, <laughs> we're talking about mistakes. I guess we talk about, like, we used to do these shows at McGee's, right? Yeah. And um, we're an original band, but, you know, that kind of place, they, they like you to do, like, um, covers and things of that sure. nature. You know, covers are cool. You match doing mashups and stuff like that. <laughs> but like we did like, um, I think we did like a cover of like tequila or something like that. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it was just, like too far left. And then, you know, like it's just like all right, this isn't this isn't what we're about. But it was good that we tried it because you, you know, know, like now was. we know we we kind of know what like we're an original band yeah. and if we're gonna do a cover we're not just going to do a straight cover of the song we're going to take it and and make it into our own voice 
it, it's going to have some soul to it or some funk to it or some edge to it. Um, you know, probably stay away from like the cheesy. I mean, you find your bumpers kind of on the on the bowling. Yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm Everything's not gonna be a home run. Every yeah. every you know. So, but yeah. So we we had that and and uh, you know probably a couple other songs I'm forgetting that that we threw in there. I think we did like a. One point we did like oh, uh, <laughs> I think we did like war. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, like that was so funny, but you could you could see just like um, that like that's not that's not like our our life. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it was yeah. It was so so I did. I've done one actual like show. Not in the closet. Like, well, that was awesome too. <laughs> were you there for that at DePaul? And I I like at open mic DePaul freshman year. My, I think you were a senior then. So. Uh, I like did like a performance of Trapped in the Closet. Like the music was playing oh, behind man. me. I was mouthing the words and I was doing this like one man show. Oh, that's legendary. <laughs> it was amazing. Where was I at? I needed to be there. <laughs> it was incredible. I needed to be there. Like that is. from this but yeah <laughs> but like uh, he's a genius man trapped in the closet dog like you got to like the the midget being under the sink yeah and it's, just, like, it gets out of control, yeah, man. Out of control what's, what's but, funny is so like this is i think last year two years ago there was a at the music box theater over on the north side on southport i think they had like a, they do like sing along yeah so i'll do like the sound of music and people will go and sing along and people will like dress up they did Trapped in the Closet sing-along, all 22 chapters. Right. And I know, cha- even still, even though I haven't heard it in a couple of years, I still know chapters one through five, word for word. Oh, that's great. I can just get into it, like, right away. Not going to do that right now, but... I know, all the, all the listeners were... <laughs> we're going to play this show out. <laughs> yeah, we're going to play the show out on Raja's take. Chuck says, Rufus, Kathy says, Rufus. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, like, one through five goes on, and, like, everyone's singing along, and then, like, chapters, like, six through ten, like, the voices start to, in the crowd, like, start to die down. Yeah. And by, like, chapter twelve... It's not even like music anymore, or he's not even trying to rhyme. It's just like like there's literally parts of one song where it's just one guy, like one of the old men, just going the pasta. Did you hear about the pasta? And that's oh a two minute gosh. chapter, just that on its own. Oh my god! Yeah, 
easy. Anyways, that's a total digression. That. When I was saying the show that I did, I didn't mean trapped in the closet. Um, I've done I've done one show so far, and it was a friend's house party last year. <laughs> and that was an instance where, so like I had done enough open mics, but I still was holding myself back from being like, uh, I'm not, I was like scared. I was like, I'm not ready to do a show because I don't, you know, like my songs aren't finished yet and I don't have like a backing band. And then my friend called me, he's like, yeah, hey, I'm gonna have a house party with, with some live music. Do you want to play? And I was like, okay. And then I thought about it <laughs> and I was like, wait, what did I sign up for here? But then I thought about it and I was like, wait, but like there are DJs who get paid a lot of money to just press play on an iPod. Right. Surely I can rap over backing music that's on, that's on an iPod. Right. So, you know, when I realized that, it was like, okay, no, I can do this. But then, like, within the confines of the show, it was like, a, I had like a 30-minute set. So, like, I don't know, maybe like five songs or so. And one of the songs was I just, like, I sang a cover of Florence, Florence and the Machines cover of Hospital Beds. That's like a third cover that I was doing at that right, point. Right. And then I rapped in between. And it was like the one song I just tell, like, it just, people weren't feeling it. But now I kind of know, like, I don't necessarily need to go back into a show again and try right. and do that song versus thinking about, like, oh, what if? Which, which is kind of, actually, now that I say that, it reminds me of how I used to be with girls, where I, like, I used to get so, like, pissed at myself where I would be out at a bar or something and I'd think to myself, like, yeah, I should go talk to that girl. And then I'd come up with these mental excuses, like, nah, like, it's not whatever. I'm having a guy's night. Uh, no, she's with her friend. She doesn't want to be bothered. You know, like, you, like you, you fill your head with, like, bullshit. Like right, that, right? right. And then I would, the night would end, and I'd be walking home, and I'd be like, son of a bitch. Like, why didn't I do anything about it? And then I finally just hit a point where I was like, I'm tired of saying to myself, why didn't I do anything about it? And then I just started, like, I don't know, like, you've seen me. Like, I've used LinkedIn to... Ask successfully ask a girl out and like yeah. you know like it doesn't really. I'd, no, I'd rather I still won't walk up to people. <laughs> <laughs> you know I'd rather know Wave from across the place get a weird eye look and then just leave. <laughs> just check. <it. laughs> just want to make sure you said no. All right. But but I'd rather I'd rather uh, like how do you say it? I'd rather know and fail than than like never try. Yeah, like, that's the one thing, like, what if, right? That's the the worst thing to, to live with. Mm-hmm. I, I'd rather get a, a thousand no's than, you know, getting just, like, one maybe. Yeah. Cause, you know what I'm saying? Every, like, every no, no either way. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's almost like, and this is actually kind of like what I what I turned like when I was working in sales into it was like almost like this game of like how many no's can I get today because you know every no is going to be one step closer to a yes right and that's what like Mark Cuban says and all these you know billionaire entrepreneurs say they're like if we were told yes every step of the way (laughs) we would you know we wouldn't have done a shit but yeah, because like, we were told no, we were forced to think about how do we do this better. Right, right. Even like even like going to the Jordan thing or you know any any sports reference, it's all about. It's like it's the rejection aspect of it, really. Yeah, it's like yeah. you have to. I mean, even with with me, with at first, like I don't think I would have been the. If you just talk about, you know, sports. I wouldn't have been the runner that I was if I just. Like I didn't get a scholarship out the gate, you know. Mm-hmm. So I had to come and work, and I had to come and 
not just compete. Like, I had to come and win. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, it, it was not a, you know, a, a handout kind of thing. It was like, they knew they wanted, they wanted me on the team and that kind of thing. But if I, looking back at it, like, if I just would have had a scholarship and, and, and then not just looking at myself, just looking at the other kids who came in who had scholarships and what they panned out to. Um, yeah, I probably would have been right there with him. You yeah, know? and you know, like, yeah, no, yeah, it's funny because not to make a blanket statement, but I think we both know a couple of people who had scholarships from day athletic scholarships from day one, and yeah. they didn't necessarily carry on a certain determination or hustle, right? Because and, it's like they had this cushion to fall on. Exactly, it keeps you, it keeps you hungry, and not just like a scholarship, but like the fact that. I, no, I wouldn't say for everyone, but for a lot of people, if you're just naturally like gifted at something and you haven't really hit stumbling blocks in it, you don't know what like, level to build up to and you get complacent. Well, so that brings up a question I've been wanting to ask, which is what are some of the purposeful mistakes that we've put in our lives? Like we kind of knew that it was going to be a mistake, but we also knew it would push us hard. And I think Raj, when, like when he was talking to those girls at the bar, you know, <laughs> like he, and he, you know, he'd go up to her. He knew it wasn't going to pan out, but he did it anyway. Yeah, but that's why, why he wears a double practice. hoodie now. That's yeah. why he wears Not a double today, hoodie Not today, but now. oh my God. I'm telling you, you're, you're, uh, is you're that, is that this, the thing? that's going to be like hitting NYC Fashion Week in like two years. I'm way like, out of no the track. no girl says no to a double hoodie. That's the thing. That's, that's, <laughs> that's funny. You got to be careful where you wear it, though, because, so the first time I did the double hoodie, which... You got to make sure the under the under hoodie is thin enough to where the over hoodie doesn't look like it's like no 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 you're supposed thing. to layer up so much that you can't move your arms yeah <laughs> but no the first time I did it was double hoodie with a blazer over it and it was like a thousand degrees <laughs> so you got you got to really watch where you're going if you do, put the blazer tell, over it <laughs> it's just yeah it's don't go to a place that has is like a heated room because you'll just sweat your ass off right <laughs> go to like an outdoor event where it's where it's a little bit chilly and, and pull off that look. Yeah, but I mean, I think it is it is interesting to think about, like, when I quit my job or, like, you know, the position you put yourself in now, and, and I know a bunch of people who, like, they, like, you set the goal to be at um, House of Blues, and it's like, you don't set that goal so you can sit around being comfortable and not making mistakes. You set that goal so that it pushes you to make more mistakes in order to get there. And I think there's something to be said about mistakes that we just happen across, like, Oh, I tripped on the stairs today. That was a mistake. Yeah. Versus the mistakes that were like, I'm shooting for this goal, and I'm all right that I'm going to fail like 800 times trying to get there yeah. because I know what the goal is. And I think the way people get eaten by their mistakes is if they don't know why they're making them, and they don't know where the mistakes are leading them to. Yeah, I think that's... I, so my example, besides the girls thing, probably no, would have... That was a complete joke. <laughs> <in my laughs> no. <understood. laughs> yeah. No, I think for me, it it, it, it actually does go back to, to the high school tracks. I don't know if we've talked this much about track, but it, it goes oh, back to the high school track stuff where it was like I knew I wanted to, I, I, again, I started out very, like one of the worst people on the team, but it was like I knew I wanted to be an all-state athlete when it was all said and done. And I was, but I knew along the way that meant like it was going to be fucking tough to get there. And it's, it was going to mean a lot of sore legs and a lot of fatigue. And along the way, it was like, you know, there were a couple injuries in between that happened. And there's sometimes like, like I think running is a very mental, it's like 70% mental maybe. And there's times when your mind is just like, fuck this, but you push through it. 
and there are some workouts that don't go as well as you think they would, but then it's, it makes you that much more anxious to do the next, you know, two days later when the next workout comes, you're like, I gotta, I gotta make up for me shitting the bed the previous time. Yeah, and, and, and that's the big thing. It's like when you're in it, when you're in the thick of it and it's hard and you're not in the state of flow, but you still have to do it anyway. And someone asks you, well, why are you doing that? You know, like I was trying to train for a marathon at one point, and every time I came home, my mom's like, you really have to be doing this. Like, why, why, right. like, why can't you just stay home and have dinner with us? And I didn't have an answer. So it was like a thousand times harder to like go outside and actually do the seven mile run I had to do yeah. because I didn't know why. I didn't know what the point was. Yeah. And then when I did get injured doing that, because apparently I'm not supposed to do sports ever in my life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it was Dude, like you and Derek Rose had the same affliction. Yeah. You, <laughs> if I knew anything, no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but like I think there's something to be said there because like as with anything, and you're you know you're going the creative routes like that is. Just huge with drive mixed with, you know, hardship mixed with like so much else um, built on top of that. And so I'm just kind of curious, like when you started, what were your thoughts going in? Or was it excitement? Was it like? No, I've always had a passion for for hip hop, so I was always excited about the genre. Um, and like my motivation was just like I wanted to just like I was just you know you just being a fan and then. From there, like you just like you want to do the kind of music that kind of inspired you, and and then meet the people who inspired you, you know as well. So, which is in and which has been, you know, I've been able to meet some pretty cool people who I have looked up to, you know, and and, and um, you know, and got some really great advice from as well, you know. So. It's it, that those kind of moments make it all worth it, right? Um, worth it, you know, going to the open mics when when you you don't feel like you're you're prepared for it, but you still go on stage. Yeah. Um, or you know, you may have a a moment on stage where you're like, okay, I want to have that one back. But um, but but those kind of things keep you keep you, I guess, motivated and. and inspired and, and the, the the cool thing about music or any just kind of art in general um it's it stems from the people you're around your environment that 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 you come up in and and, and the, the the circumstances that maybe weren't so good sometimes um especially in hip-hop uh, and some things that you wish you can unsee but those things are like the most vivid, the the most vivid. That was why you have to tell those stories, right? Um, and that's just kind of like my personal motivation when it comes right. to music and, and, and getting ideas out. Show you what the real about. I juice my main squeeze, do like an orange and peel out. Headed back to the crib to work on my craft Cause I don't wanna be whack like them And I can get back And get the kickback You can keep your crystal, I'm good with a six pack Great with a 40 Great with a shorty that'll do anything for me Except they know me on the chill Get back, relax Do these on my own time, chill out
before we wrap up, Don D, where can we find Cloud9? Where can we find your music? So, yeah, we've been referring to the band as Cloud9. It is Chicago Loud number nine and in long form. So you check us out at chicagoloudnumber9.com and uh, Chicago Loud 9 on Facebook as well. And uh, it's exciting. It's an exciting period for us. We just um, came out with a new single called Punk Soul. And uh, we have a, a great vocalist. Um, it's female. So it's, it's one female and eight dudes. So, <laughs> you know, we're over there getting bossed around. She's like, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So she's she's doing her thing. She's um, so, so humble and, and, and just a great soul. And and an amazing talent, so we're we're great to have her. Her name's Aya, and um, we have a cellist now as well. Really? Um, yeah, which is nice. which is a crazy addition. So, um, I think I was telling you guys about the the um, lithium cover. It might have been yeah. off air, but yeah. he actually played the Kurt Cobain's verse on cello, <laughs> which is just like um, incredibly dope and just like it was just like a moment out of this world that it connected with the crowd to the point where uh you know it's it was special you know what i'm saying and it's always it's great to have jeff on as well and and um we're coming out with some new music this summer so stay tuned in in, in june and, and check us out it's your boy don d that's how we do that nice i can't wait so i have an idea of how to close it um I'm, I'm curious to know what is one big mistake that you can like vividly remember that you're like, oh, like just that one thing, if that didn't happen. And then did you ever try and fix it or did you just take it as a learning experience and move on? And I can start if, you, if that question's a little bit too abstract. Yes, please start. All right, so like there was this one time back in uh, college um, I went to a How to Get a Career seminar. Uh, this was with Zaffer and um, Hank Rodkin at the time, who's now deceased. And um, we gave an elevator pitch during it. And <laughs> um, he said, who wants to do their elevator pitch? And I was like, sure. And I said my elevator pitch, and who knows what it was back then, uh, being so many years. But he was like, love it. Love that elevator pitch. I know exactly who to hook you up with. And he connects me with this guy uh, Bob Killian, who, um, he gives me the guy's email, he says, call him, you know, set up an informational thing uh, to go meet the guy. I was so excited, I go home, I, and I'm like, this name sounds so familiar, this name sounds so familiar, where, where have I heard this guy's name? And I look in like, you know how you have the bookmarks that you drag down in your, in your browser? Right. And it's been a bookmark in my browser for four years, his like, books you should read. And like, he was someone I found freshman year and had like, looked up to, and like, it was always in the back of my head. And so, of course, prepping for this interview, I didn't know if it was an informational interview or an interview for a job or what it was, but I was like so nervous. I read every possible thing the guys ever written, everything that was online about him, and I was just so excited to go meet this guy. And I get out there and I go to his office and I walk in, I'm sitting there and I, he, he, he sits me down and he goes, this, he's this kind of older guy and he's just kind of like very like arms crossed in front of him. He's looking at me kind of like, I'm busy, like what? Like, I'm doing a favor for a friend sort of a thing. Right. And I didn't really know what I was there for, if it was for a job or whatever. And he goes, so tell me why you're here. And I go, well, my teacher, I did an elevator pitch, and my teacher was like, that was great. He told me I should come meet you. And he goes, all right, give me the elevator pitch. 
And I had completely forgotten about that piece. <laughs> so I was like, uh, and I, I started and I was like, hi, my name is Martin McGovern. And I'm, and I just like got like a few words in and just like froze. And I was like, sorry, can I start over? And I go, hi, I'm Martin. And I just got a few more words in and I was like, and I turned bright red. And I, my brain literally just stopped making words. I was just like, uh. <laughs> and he was like, and we like fumbled through some other horrible questions and, uh, he was like, it was like 15 minutes, not even. Like I tr- it, it took me longer to get there than I was sitting there. <laughs> and like, he just goes, all right, I have a lot to do, so like, have a good day. And he leaves. <laughs> and I just was like, I've never been so crushed in my life. And um, two years ago, so this was junior year of college, so like four, three, four years later, I'm sitting in uh, an Argo tea with my friend, and we're just recounting kind of like horrible stories from college. And I mentioned that when he goes, email the guy. No, I'm gonna email the guy. I totally just was an idiot in front of him when I met him. He's like, he won't remember. Email him. And the the email I wrote was thank you for the learning experience. That was the headline, and it was just like you don't you probably don't remember me, but we met and I had the worst informational interview of my life with you and totally blanked and blah blah blah. Um, I just want to say thank you for the learning experience and uh, hope things are going well. Let me know if you ever want to get coffee. Ended up going out to Evanston, having a three-hour conversation with him over coffee, and just like had a great time. And he's like, "Yeah, I had no idea who you were, but that was a great subject line, and you know, I'm sure you'll do fine in marketing." <laughs> <laughs> All right, wait. So the the question again was what? I was like, what's the thing that you that a mistake that happened in your life where you totally screwed up, and like, what is the thing you learned from it, and did you ever get to like fix it, or did you just learn and move on? Um. I don't know if it's as, as profound as that, but what's immediately coming to mind for me is in college, um, uh, Martin and I basically ran the student marketing club at DePaul, and we started taking people to New Orleans every year for this conference, uh, this collegiate marketing conference, Where? and my role as president of the club was to like basically organize this trip. And I think it was the first or second year, the second year of going. Part of that is like applying to the university, the activities team for like funding to go on the trip. And there were like 12 people who were slated to go, I think. And when I submitted the, the application for funds form, I only submitted for one night of one hotel room instead of three nights of like three hotel rooms. Okay. So they gave us the full fund, like the, the $300 that, that I asked oh, for. Yeah. But I meant to ask for like, I don't know, 3800 or something like that. Yeah. So like I basically shortchanged our club by $3,000 or something. Yeah. And and I had to sleep in a van. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, but to the point of like, do you pass it off or do you, do you own it? I sat down with the group that was going to be going on the trip and we it was still a few months out so I was like guys here's what happened like I fucked up I only applied for one night and for one room so we're way short on on what we need for this trip so what I'm asking for is well first a I'm sorry but b what I'm asking for is your help in in and ideas and how we can fundraise to to make up that gap and it's it may end up happening. It's likely happening that we'll have to pay a little bit out of pocket or some money out of pocket. But I didn't. I was like, it wasn't intentional, and I hope you right. guys are kind of like get on board with just like committing to 
to doing what we can to get the money out, you know, to get the money fundraised for this trip. And I think people appreciated the honesty and that I just did kind of like, and then we all put the aim in. I'm just kidding. And then I I, I messed up or whatever. And they were like, yeah, let's figure out how do we, and we ended up putting on some events and stuff and doing different things. And I think by the end of it, we probably only paid a nominal out-of-pocket fee for each person. Right. Is that the year that I was there? Uh, I think it was the second year. Oh, right. Yeah. I'm not sure. But, but yeah, that, you, that's, you know, it wasn't as profound as yours, but for me... No, it was but like I, that's a, the owning it piece, yeah. right? Like, I ignored it for <laughs> four years, and you just straight up owned it right yeah. away. And I, and I guess I to, to bring the conversation full circle, just go ahead and talk about the way that me and Cloud9 met, even though we kind of rehashed that and, and we talked about that, 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 that taught me two things, right? It's the fact that my backing tracks didn't work, you know, always have a backup plan, you know? Um, and something that I, I might've known already because I was ready, but it reinforced it to me was to always be ready. Because you never know when that opportunity is going to arise. So always be ready in, in life, in your personal life, um, performance life, because you don't know when your time is going to come. But you just have to be ready for your time. All right. Thanks for joining us, Dan. Man, thanks for having me. <laughs> I appreciate it. That's awesome. I definitely would like to come back and... <laughs> top it up with you guys once again yeah yeah and that wrapped up our conversation with don d of chicago loud nine don thank you for joining us for that it was great to sit down with you and just have some real talk around that whole concept of mistakes and how you grow from them and and just how we can approach life from that perspective if you want to hear more of cloud nine's music We'll put all that in the show notes, but but for quick hits, you can get them at chicagoloud9.com as well as search them on iTunes, Chicago Loud 9. Questions about our show, shoot us an email at getfresh at idealemon.com. You can also tweet us at idealemon. Let's run through the show credits. This episode featured Chicago Loud 9's After Party as the intro theme. You also heard a song by them called Chill. We even incorporated Trapped in the Closet from R. Kelly, Chapter 1 to be exact, and audio from Seinfeld episode The Race. The song you're listening to right now is called Punk Soul. It is Chicago Loud 9's newest single. You can go to iTunes and download that. Again, search Chicago Loud 9 and then hit that download button right next to Punk Soul. That wraps up this episode. For Martin McGovern, I'm Rajiv Nathan. Thank you for listening. This has been the Idea Lemon Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast. Until next time, we'll see ya. You like me to get you hot? Tell me. You want me to find your spot? Tell me. You like to get kissed and licked? Tell me. You want to get strengthened with? Tell me. You're for being attracted. 